Hi friend, it's 2020. And let's be real, if you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and sometimes overwhelming. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement in the midst of living, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm excited you're listening today. We are talking about clarity in 2020, and this month we're talking about living an encouraged life. If you are curious about the current series and would like to know more, you can check out season two episodes or visit my website at www.janellewood.com where you can sign up to receive the Clarity 2020 Power Sheet and the monthly reflective questions that go along with this series. Clarity is all about distinguishing what is genuine from what is counterfeit. It's about finding something real. So for 2020, I wanted to talk about finding something real when it comes to specific issues that, if I'm honest, I sometimes struggle with, thinking that maybe they might be issues that resonate with you too. So January has been all about living encouraged because (laughs) how do you find encouragement when life is full of detours, distractions, and road bumps? It's hard. And if you're anything like me, you might struggle with discouragement, especially during this time of year when we sometimes have great expectations that don't always go the way we plan. And so today, friend, I am excited to welcome back a very special guest. She's actually recording this here with me in my dining area, but she lives in Chicago. She has a passion for ministering to women and coaching them towards physical, spiritual, and emotional health. In addition to her health coaching, she's also launching into a new season as a bar fitness instructor. She's constantly challenging me personally with truth, and I had to share some of her wisdom with you today. I am so excited to welcome back the one and only Melanie Castaneda. Melanie, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be recording with you in person instead of <laughs> over the the laptop. <laughs> I agree. We'll, we'll figure this out. <laughs> in person with only one mic is interesting, but I finally ordered another microphone. So hopefully next time I interview someone, I won't have to go back and forth and figure out the sound issue. <laughs> so Melanie... First of all, would you explain to someone who might not know, um, which apparently I was somebody who didn't know just a couple days ago, what a bar fitness instructor is? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's so bar instructing is pretty um, it's pretty popular, I would say nowadays. It's um, in the realm of like studio fitness. So um, the one that I am um, beginning to be a part of is it's called Pure Bar. Um, you find them a lot in like urban settings and, uh, yeah, it's a mixture of like fitness with a little bit of inspiration from ballet, um, and, uh, 
yeah, it's kind of, it's fun. It's upbeat. There's a lot of fun music. If you have a pure bar in your area, I would definitely encourage you to check it out. You help women towards health and fitness and you are healthy and fit. And this morning we worked out together with some other women and we're all, uh, you know, we've been going through a season except for you. Um, I, I would say this is a safe thing that uh, most of these women were not used to getting up super early in the morning to work out to a fitness video where a perky young thing was dancing around. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> from the back of the room, there were some disgruntled women. I might have been one of them who was, were saying things like, wow, she's <laughs> slow down, Barbie. <laughs> that kind of thing or could you be any perkier and like out of insecurity or intimidation or um just jealousy I don't know I feel like it's really easy when we see someone who has it seemingly all together to put labels on them uh put them in a box um so all that to say I'm so glad that God saw that we should be friends and did a humbling work in my heart to see you as a friend and a sister and not as Miss Perfect Barbie doll. Yeah, you've gotten to know me well enough to know that that is very far from the truth. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, uh, but I, I love who you are. Uh, it's better than the perfect box that I had initially might have wanted to put you in. And um, so anyway, why are you so passionate about health and fitness and could you tell me what um, where this passion came from? Yeah, definitely. So the passion, I would say, started when I was younger. I was an athlete growing up. I played softball competitively for over 15 years. I also um, ran track for um, a good period of time as well. And so um, I grew up in a very athletics, um, sport-driven family. Um, and so it was always a part of my life. And... Um, when I was in high school, I realized how important nutrition was in my overall athletic performance. And so I wanted to kind of figure out, okay, how can I optimize my nutrition so that I can be better, um, a better athlete and really reach my goals, my personal records, et cetera. Um, kind of fast forward to college, I had stopped playing competitively, um, was not in sports, and um, kind of wanted to, you know, get to know myself in a different way. And I had, um, for many years, ever since I was younger, I always had this weird feeling that I would uh, one day potentially have my health taken from me. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you, you know, what, where that exactly came from. I didn't grow up in a family that was sick often, you know, never went to hospital visits or anything like that. And I always had it in the back of my head that uh, one day my health may be taken. And so I worked my butt off to be um, on top of my health um, from a fitness perspective, from a nutrition perspective. And I had it in my head that if I could take care of my body, then I would be fine. That somehow I would avoid anything that may come along that could potentially disrupt my health. And uh, it wasn't until I would get into my early 20s that I would realize um, that it wouldn't be my physical health that would be impaired, um, but it would be my mental health. 
and my mental health was not something that I had ever really paid much attention to. Um, I kind of was a worried, paranoid kind of kid, had a lot of different um, areas of my childhood that I would say um, impaired my mental health, but I never would have said like, oh, this is something that would plague me later in my years. And so uh, it wasn't until um, my early 20s, I'd say about 22 years old, that I would um, be diagnosed with a few different um, things. Um, And then later in my 20s, my uh, later 20s, just about a year ago would be diagnosed with another thing um, that um, really opened my eyes to this humbling experience of I've been trying to avoid this feeling of my health will be taken and I worked so hard to take care of my physical being and I never once considered that God could potentially allow for my mental health to be taken and that uh, a battle would um, occur where I would have to fight for it way more than I ever had to fight for my nutrition and physical health. Um, And so I think a lot of my passion comes from a, a place of, you know, kind of going back to the question, a place of realizing that Um, my physical health, my spiritual health, my emotional health, um, and mental health, um, really all do come together in unison. Uh, one cannot work without the other. And, um, I have had to go through a lot of therapy, a lot of, um, coming alongside, um, other people who could encourage me and be a part of my community, um, to really uplift me, um, people who would hold me accountable, all of those things, um, to really help uh, really helped me in a season of just great despair when it came to my mental health. Um, I'm still in that season. I think that anybody else who is listening, who has struggled with their mental health would say that, you know, it's a daily thing. Um, and you really have to kind of be poured into Jesus and connected to him and be nourished by him in order to get through the day. Because sometimes it feels like, just trying to get through the hour, let alone an entire day. And so, um, yeah, a lot of my passion for health started at a young age and completely shifted as I got older. And I realized that my view of health um, was very small (laughs) compared to um, God's view of health from a biblical perspective. I think you bring up a great point because most people, when you say the word health, it automatically makes you think of physical health. And for you who were physically healthy, um, to then struggle in something totally different than what most people would consider, oh, that's part of being healthy too, you know. And I know with functional medicine, there's more of an emphasis nowadays in whole body wellness. But I know there are days when maybe I want to be healthy but I get overwhelmed, I get stressed out, I, uh, I lose my focus. And one of the things that I know that you're passionate about as your friend and having watched you the last couple of years pursue the things that God's put on your heart to do is that you're very good about helping people move past the detours and distractions to focus on what really matters. So would you kind of walk me through how you do that and what that looks like? Yeah, definitely. So I know for me, 
I know for me, uh, what really made a huge difference was when I had to walk through it myself. And so what I realized was, you know, um, I was actually talking about this in the car with you today about the difference between heart transformation and behavior modification. And for me, um, for so many years, I pursued behavior modification. An example of that would be, you know, drinking more water and creating an exercise plan and eating healthy, um, you know, having more vegetables in your diet, things like that. And for me, what I realized was that I could do that all day long, but if my heart wasn't being transformed, if I wasn't um, being um, a person who was pursuing Jesus, if I wasn't going after him and really surrendering my view of health to him, then none of it lasted um, at all. It was, it's kind of this feeling of like New Year's resolutions where, you know, January 15th is usually the cutoff where people are like no longer um, pursue their um, resolutions and people get frustrated and discouraged. And what do they do? They go back to the same old thing that they said they didn't want. And so um, in terms of like helping people with that. I think what I try and focus on is focusing on what is the foundation that they've built for themselves? How do you rebuild a new foundation? How do you get to the root of the issue? And I only see it in that perspective because I had really great people come alongside me over the last several years and help me um, get to the root of my issues and where I had laid down a faulty Uh, foundation. And so I think a lot of it, before you even get to a point of creating an action plan for yourself, you have to be real with yourself and ask yourself if the foundation that you're building upon is actually solid rock. Um, The Bible talks about that, about building your house on a solid rock. And um, a few years ago, I realized that I hadn't that the the foundation that I had built was on pebbles and it was constantly shaking and constantly being in a state of um, like I felt like sometimes I was going through an earthquake and my house was just shaking and I was like what is going on here I'm so frustrated and uh, it wasn't until about a year ago that I realized wow like my my house is shaking because the foundation I've built is faulty and the you know pretty flowers that I've built around my house and my landscaping although on the outside is really pretty um, the roots aren't that deep and um, I had to kind of go in and take the weeds out and uplift all of these things that I thought were pretty on the outside or looked um, good on the outside because I realized that my inside was rotting away And I had no idea what I was really doing in the first place. And I think a lot of us uh, can find ourselves in that place, especially when we want change and we want long-term change. Um, We kind of have to clue into some of those roots that are hard to sometimes admit. Can you give some specifics, um, either from your own example or from somebody that maybe you've worked with, of what faulty rocks or pebbles would look like versus a firm foundation. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, a good example that I can use for my life is um, goes back to my mental health, right? And so um, it, I, I go to therapy twice a week. I'm very open about this with people. And something that I found out pretty early on was that the narrative that I was telling myself was garbage. <laughs> Just my internal self-talk was so unhelpful. And I realized over time, having someone mirror and reflect my thoughts to me, how many lies I was believing, how many um, things that I was saying to myself that was in my own strength and a very pick up, pick it up by your bootstraps type of gospel instead of a, a gospel of surrender that I was preaching to myself. And no wonder my, my foundation was rocky, right? There wasn't a whole lot of truth that was coming in. It wasn't really built on um, a word that is lasting. It was built on my words, which are fleeting because they come from emotions <laughs> um, in the moment. And I realized that the um, the foundation that I was building was built off of something that I was man-made. It wasn't really created by the the truth and wisdom of God. It was created by my own hands. And I think so many of us struggle with that, with um, this competing narrative in our head of what is truth and what is mine and what is uh, maybe the enemy speaking to me. What is, what is the uh, uh, noise that I'm hearing from social media that is getting into my ears? You know, I guess that's the biggest example that I can think of that would be mo the most relatable, um, but it's one that I've had to really work through. Uh, a, a kind of a practical application of this would be asking yourself, are those thoughts helpful? I have to ask myself that all the time. Are the thoughts that I'm thinking, are they helpful? Are they true? Um, and are they potentially lies? And I'd be shocked to tell you how many times I have to be reminded. That's not even true, Melanie. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> That's good. So just to um, be really transparent. So today is day one of a sugar fast that the rock says, I, the rock that I have the foundation on is I want to be the woman that God designed me to be. And I know that this has become kind of an addiction and an idol in my life. I know that I don't feel great when I have a lot of sugar. I know that my mind gets cloudy and I'm not able to operate at full capacity, right? And we live in a fallen world. I will have sugar again in my life. And maybe that's fallen. Maybe that's grace. I don't know. But um, it's grace. <laughs> it's grace. I, I know that it's not going to be perfect, but I want to do the best I can with the time that I have here on earth, right? And I've realized that sugar is one of those things that kind of impedes some of that. So that is, like we were talking about in the car earlier, that's a good foundation. That's a good why, a good why to get healthy and to stay encouraged, right? But the discouragement comes around, oh, right around this time of the day when I've had my healthy breakfast, I've had my healthy lunch. It is now time to relax because the day's been go, 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 go up until this point. And the pebbles come in and they say, oh, you deserve a little treat. And chocolate would be really nice right now. Um, but the problem is when I give into that, I get discouraged. But I already feel discouraged because there's part of me that's like, why do other people get to have 
sugar and I can't. And it comes from that comparison trap and all of that. So I know you help people like me, everyday women who are struggling with these, what seems like a little thing in the grand scheme of things, but in the big scheme of things, I don't know, I might be filling my mouth with sugar and then my mind's all foggy and I can't do something. I can't be present for a friend or something, whatever it is, right? So there's lasting things that come from something that seems so trivial. Um, But for me, in the moment at three o'clock in the afternoon when I'm by myself and the chocolate is just going, come to me. Um, What kind of encouragement as a health coach, as somebody who feels so strongly about that mind-body spirit connection could you give yeah so uh the the first thing that came to my mind was the word comfort right um we're always seeking comfort um we don't typically seek discomfort right our bodies aren't even wired that way we're wired for survival and so sometimes the most um easiest track to follow when it comes to survival is going to be what feels comfortable what will satisfy me what will make me feel like oh, i'm safe right and i think a lot of times we kind of gravitate towards food or um maybe it's a tv show it's things on, that are on the outside um maybe it's a distraction of some sort that will kind of take me away into my own little place the safe little place where i feel warm and comfortable and cozy and i can just take my eyes off of the present moment um a lot of times it's escape that we seek. And so um, a lot of times what I try and encourage people to do is identify those things. What are you escaping in the moment? What does what are you trying to get distracted from? Right? And that goes back to the root. It goes back to figuring out what's that root thing that you are trying to move away from, that you are trying to avoid because it goes against your nature and it is causing you to go into discomfort and not feeling safe and not feeling like you are um, just feeling good. And so uh, I guess I could give an example. What I would say the root is for me is I am always having this underlying feeling of like guilt and shame. It's just something that like is a part of my my thought process. Um, it's something that I am constantly having to weed out and weed out of my garden, right? And so um, when I am in a place where I feel guilt or I feel shame, um, whether I did something or even if I didn't do something and I'm maybe just um, perceiving that I could have, um, I am likely to go to things that are going to distract me or make me feel less like that, even if it's just for a moment. And I've done that enough times to know that I feel so much worse afterwards. I feel more guilty and I feel more shame. And when it comes to health and it comes to the gospel, the gospel should bring us freedom, right? It should bring us this feeling of, oh, I'm safe and I'm free and I'm in control. And not in a control of I'm controlling my life because we do believe that Jesus is sovereign and we live in his sovereignty. But a fruit of the spirit is self-control. And we are able to, we are, it's in our capacity to be able to live that out. And so 
I think that when we are figuring out what those roots are, it'll look so different for many different people. Um, many of you will feel similarly to me and your root is what is similar to mine. Um, again, we go to different things. And I think the question to ask yourself in that moment is, what will actually nourish you? What will actually bring nourishment to my mind and my body and my soul? And not in this like woo-woo, like weird thing, right? But (laughs) I see you smiling at me. (laughs) Um, What will actually like bring nourishment? Um, What will actually nurture my body? How can I steward my body well? Um, You know, I think even in the church, a lot of times we talk about our spiritual health and we're always trying to nurture our spiritual health, but everything is all connected. Um, And so if we're tired, we're not getting a lot of sleep, we're not eating well, and our physical state is in survival mode, and we're near burnout, we're less likely to be present mentally to go to the Lord. We're probably not setting enough time to sit with him and just be because we're probably running around like crazy, life is busy, always making excuses, finding other things to be nourished by, and eventually you just get exhausted and you don't feel like you're flourishing anymore. You're not thriving, but you're surviving. That's something a lot of people are saying these days. And so, um, yeah, that's what I would encourage you to do. That's what I would encourage other people to do when I am talking and sitting with them is figuring out, all right, like what are those roots? What are you going to? Why are you going to them? And what is the answer? How do you figure out what those roots are for someone who's listening, who doesn't know, but knows that she's just got a block, that there's some sort of speed bump that's stopping her from, you know, every day when she, to take my example, for instance, every day at three o'clock, she goes straight back for the chocolate, right? Even though she knows it's not going to nourish her, but she knows there's something deeper going on, but she doesn't know what it is. Where, where do people find that clarity did you find it in therapy would you recommend that or was there a book that helped you a resource what helped you the most find okay this is the root cause of what is going on the lie that I've been believing so I always recommend therapy (laughs) I'm a huge um um proponent of that you're just so good at explaining things and I'm wondering for somebody who's never been to therapy why why is it so helpful Oh, definitely. You know, um, I would say that I wasn't always somebody who was um, an encourager of therapy. Um, I grew up in a very like um, mindset of that's weakness. I don't need help. I'll figure it out. Jesus is enough. You know, that type of thing. And uh, I realized uh, pretty early in my 20s that the toolbox that I had in life the tools that I had in my toolbox uh, were not enough. (laughs) Um, I just, there were certain skills that I just didn't have. There were things that I just felt like, man, if I were to have these specific skills, I would be able to be more present, more more in touch with where I uh, want to be in terms of what God is calling me to do. I, I just knew that what I had wasn't wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. And so therapy became um, very much on my radar when I realized, oh my goodness, like God has put people in place to study the brain and study how people think 
And he has allowed this. And there's actually therapy that is Christ-centered and biblically backed. And there are people who have been trained in both psychology and the Bible because they can exist together because God is the creator of science and psychology. And I can get help from these people. Very similar to like a doctor. I don't avoid doctors. Um, And so I see therapy very similarly. I go to a therapist twice a week and she helps break down my thoughts. Um, Because sometimes I don't know how to do that. A lot of the times I have no idea how to do that. And she reflects back to me the things that I um, am likely I'm not or the things that I likely don't know are happening in my mind and a lot of the times for me what she does is she brings it back to the gospel she brings it back to my misunderstanding of my identity she brings it back to my misunderstanding of my internal narrative um, and things like that so if you have been hesitant or on the fence when it comes to therapy I'd really encourage you to find a, a you know a good uh, Christian therapist who can really bring it back uh, to the gospel who is biblical um, centered in their thinking and in their ways and um, be open to the process and embrace the process um, from somebody who is um, d- vulnerability doesn't always come naturally I have found so much growth and redemption through going through that process and kind of to answer your original question when you don't necessarily know what the root is and you're trying to figure out okay why do I keep on going back to these things Um, to be honest the thing that has helped me the most is going back to God's people being in fellowship with people who are going after Jesus, who aren't afraid to point you back to Jesus and aren't afraid to be that mirror for you. Um, Janelle has been that person for me. There's been a handful of people who have been that for me, who have been like, what are you doing? You don't, you don't believe that. Why are you saying those things? Or why are you going to those things? That's not going to satisfy you. And you know that, you know that, what are you doing? (laughs) And it's nice to have people sometimes say like, what are you doing? Because then I ask myself and I get into the habit of saying, Melanie, what are you doing? And not in a way that brings shame or guilt, but it's going back to reminding you like who you are, where is your identity? And it's it's sometimes a nice remem- a reminder to say you know better. Again, not in a way that is shameful or guilty, but Melanie, you know better because you know the truth, and you can move forward in the truth. Wow. Well, I'm gonna have to have you back on here because you're so full of great information. Um, but we're we're running short on time. Um, I just love how encouraging you are and how much uh, how knowledgeable you are in health and also. Um, scripture and yeah I can't wait to talk to you some more later this year but what truths from God's word have helped you the most in living an encouraged life what has helped me um, going back to someone who where vulnerability doesn't come natural is knowing that um, like my brokenness is okay and I can go to God and not be perfect and Um, my, my, like my brokenness is not this thing that I have to hide from God, but it's made perfect, 
um, by him. Scripture that I always go back to is 2 Corinthians 12, and it's um, verse 9, and it says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so I really like that verse because as someone who uh, does not like feeling weak and is terrified of feeling weak, I find it it's so encouraging that my my weaknesses are made perfect through Christ, that I don't have to come perfect, that I don't have to um, even be strong necessarily. I don't have to put on this tough exterior of I have it all together and I'm okay and nothing can get by me um, because Christ is that. He is my protector. He is my defender. I don't have to be that person anymore. Um, And that's been very encouraging to me because Um, I would say that over the last um, handful of years, I have never been more aware of my weaknesses in my entire life. And it's been incredibly um, humbling to be somebody who has been knocked down on the ground when I was somebody who felt like like I always picture like a boxing ring and I always felt like I was the one who was at the end like throwing my my boxing gloves in the air like pumping them up like you know that I've kind of won the battle right or won the round and over the last couple of years I have never felt more like the guy on the ground who just got knocked out and um, I would say that I even though I've been on the ground I've never felt more in touch with the Lord. I've never felt more aware of his redemption and restoration in my life. And being knocked down on the ground um, is certainly not where we're supposed to stay. Um, But it gives me a different perspective of what winning and victory looks like. Well, I know I've asked you this question before, um, but the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards redemption or restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And of those four gifts that we can find in Jesus Christ, which one stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? And I know you just mentioned redemption and restoration, so perhaps that is what it is, but I'd love for you to share with the listener. The one that stands out to me the most, I think, in this season is restoration. And I am feeling like day by day, week by week, month by month, God is restoring me. And he's restoring my mental health in ways that I have been just so happy to see after, you know, years of feeling like I was just in this mental battle. And um, is it perfect? No. Is it going to, you know, be an overnight um, healing and restorative process? Maybe, likely not, because he hasn't done it yet. Um, But I think that's okay. And as long as I know that God is continuing to do a work, I'm going to continue to fight to be open uh, to the process and to the restoration process um, because I know that he's capable and I know that um, the work isn't finished until he says it, it is. And at least I can rest in that. So restoration is the one I connect with. I love that. And I love too, Mel, we are ending this month of the series, the clarity um, around living encouraged. That's been our January theme. 
we're ending this by the same way we got started, which at the beginning of the month, I was talking with Nicole, who's in college. And when I asked her that same, very similar question um, about what encouragement she's received in scripture, it was the very same verse in Second Corinthians. And I'll just read it one more time. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about all the <laughs> awful things that he's had to deal with, um, but all his weaknesses. But it says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. And skipping down three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Melanie, thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, please hit subscribe and come back next week when we talk with another guest about their story towards finding something real and having clarity through detours and distractions. Per usual, you can follow along on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood or using the hashtag finding something real. And of course, you can also sign up for the free clarity resources that go along with this current series by heading over to my website at JanelleWood.com. Remember, friend, you are loved and have a purpose. Until next time.